Hey everyone, and welcome to this week's Redeem Podcast. In this message, Pastor Dave shares about how to walk out a truly transformed life. All of us are striving in some way to bring fullness, hope, and joy, but Jesus is giving us the answer to what really brings these things into our lives. Also, one important announcement. We want to schedule another all-church Zoom meeting this Sunday, May 31st at 10.30 a.m. This Sunday, we'll be sharing the message there, spending time in prayer, and sharing more from leadership on how we're continuing to plan to move forward. Please sign up to get the Zoom link at redeem.church. All right, now on to this week's message. Hey guys, thank you for tuning in today. Dave Riesinger here, and this is Redeem Church. If you didn't know, um, I'm hoping that this message today is going to encourage you. It's going to bless you in some way, shape, or form. Um, So thank you again. And if you find at the end of this that it's worth passing on, please do that. We would love to get the message of Jesus Christ, the good news to those who need it. Uh, Today we're going to be in John 15. We've been going through the book of John. And uh, I'm going to be out of John 15, but I want to start with a story that ties into this. Um, I heard this story, I actually read it some time ago, but it was of this dog who was pregnant and this dog tried to cross the street, ended up getting hit by a car, and this dog ended up getting two broken legs. Um, Not long after that, she gives birth to this litter of puppies. And uh, this litter of puppies, obviously they grow, puppies grow, and uh, they learn to walk. But the way they learn to walk was by emulating mom. Now here's the fascinating thing. The mom, because she had broken legs, she, she had to walk by dragging herself with her front paws. And we've got these puppies now who are learning to walk by dragging themselves with their front paws. Now I know you're thinking, uh, Dave, this is a, a really depressing way to start off a sermon. I thought you were here to like talk about the good news and now we're depressed thinking about a pregnant dog with puppies that drag themselves with their front paws. So, but it ties in, trust me. We tend to emulate, reflect, and mirror the things that we watch, the things that uh, we get around, the people we let speak into our lives, and we start to mimic those things. And that's why it's important that we are so careful about what goes into us and the things that we attach ourselves to. We're gonna talk about attachment today. Um, Another example of this, I was thinking, uh, there's a couple in our church named Mark and Patty Anderson. Mark is one of our board members. And I remember some time ago, some years ago, I was up north doing a project for a guy and um, just helping out. And I just got there, I, you know, and I was tired. I wasn't really focused. I was kind of in a hurry. And uh, I had no idea in that moment that this girl, Katie, was Patty's daughter. She walked out and instantly... Well, within five minutes of seeing her talk, uh, I, I thought, wow, she reminds me of Patty Anderson. This is crazy. And then I find out it's actually her daughter and I should have been paying attention. But uh, the point is, is that she was mimicking or mirroring through just emulating through body language or whatever, the mom that she grew up around. Um, my, my son, I don't know if you've heard these sayings before, but uh, one saying I heard a lot from my teachers because I hung around the wrong people and I'm sure they talked to people that hung around me and told them the same thing. Uh, But you are who you hang around. You've probably heard that before, okay? And uh, another one is you are what you eat, right? Uh, This I used on my son, he was three years old. 
and we got one of those ginormous bags of chips that have the little bags of chips in them. Um, to me, it's such a trap, man, because I'm like, oh, I just had one little bag of chips and it wouldn't hurt to have like another one. And by the time I've done, I've crushed like, you know, a Costco size normal bag. But here's my son three and it's like, it's like a drug addiction. You taste one Dorito. I mean, try it. You, they, they do this in the commercial. You can't just have one. Right? It's just this, you'll go down the trail. You know, for me, it'll be like a three day bender on Doritos or Cheetos and I wake up just feeling gross. So my son is about to head down this road. He had one bag of chips and then for the next like two days, he's just like, can I have some chips? Can I have some chips? Can I have some chips? Just constantly. And, I, and it was, was kind of irritating me a little bit and I was too busy to like parent him properly. So I was just feeding this kid junk food. So then I started feeling guilty and I threw it back on him. Uh, I, said, I said, you know, there's a saying, Isaiah, you are what you eat. And I explained it to him and of course I said, you know, I went into this whole story for a three-year-old. I said, do you, do you want to turn into a Cheeto? I mean, is that what you want? Because if you keep eating these things, you're going to turn into one. And he was locked in um, and I started going, you know, I said, can you imagine like you're going to wake up, there's going to be orange dust all over your pillowcase, you know, um, people aren't going to want to hug you, uh, you won't have any arms or legs, you won't have a face, you're just going to be this orange stick. And of course he's believing me, he's getting tears in his eyes. Yes, I'm a good father uh, and this is how I raise my kids. Uh, but he, uh, he ends up like, okay, I don't want any more Cheetos. And I said, you just need to eat more veggies uh, because you are what you eat. And if you know Isaiah, for those that do, he, he has been brilliant from day one. So he instantly caught onto that and he's like, well, I don't wanna be a veggie either, that's terrible, right? So my little speech backfired on me but what I was trying to get a point across to him was don't run around being a little piglet, right? But that point is you are what you eat, you are who you hang around, you are or you become the things that influence you the most. And this is where we get into the beauty of John 15 because Jesus Christ gives us the recipe or the remedy or the insight into how to walk out a perpetually transformed life. All of us are striving or pressing or looking to things to bring fullness, to bring completion, to bring hope, to bring peace, joy, to bring meaning to our life. And how many know, even as believers, me included, we spend a lot of time attaching ourselves or looking to things that don't really fulfill it and don't really produce it. Um, so here's the most important thing. What I consume, what I feed on, and what, do I what I attach myself to, it is going to shape me, especially that which impacts the way I think and I believe. Romans 12.2 says this, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. If you want to transform your life, you have to transform the way you think because I can sow a thought, I reap an act. I sow an act, I reap a habit. If I sow a habit, I reap a lifestyle. And when I sow a lifestyle, I reap a destiny. Maybe you've heard that before. But, but, but literally transformation and change, it comes through what I feed my mind and my heart. And this is where we jump into John 15. So John is, uh, he's, so, he's so awesome at just bringing us a picture of the intimate person of Jesus. We've talked about this. He shows us 
the human side of Jesus. He shows us the conversations that he has with individuals, not just crowds. And when we get into John 15, you're also going to see this theme of sevens. So from John 1 to the very end, there's seven of this and seven of that and seven statements. Well, there's seven I am statements that are made of Jesus. Jesus makes of himself. So those seven are this. Um, I am a bread of life. I am a light of the world. I am a door. Did anybody catch what I'm doing here? Uh, it doesn't say I am a bread, I am a light. Jesus is saying I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door. It goes on and says, I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And then finally he says, I am the true vine. Now I'm going to explain this in a minute, but check this out. Um, Jesus is the God of love. He's the representation of the God of love. He is God, but he has a unique personhood in the Trinity. And as the God of love, we tend to categorize God as someone who is completely inclusive of any idea, any thought, any lifestyle. But here's the thing. God is loving. He's forgiving. He's gracious. He's merciful. He's kind. He's caring. But He's exclusive in this. When you want to find life, you can only find it through one source. Eternal life only comes through the person of Jesus Christ who is the door. And then he goes on in this statement, he says, I am the true vine. So he's saying, I was the fulfillment of Israel was called the vine in the Old Testament. But he said, now I'm the vine. I fulfilled it. And if you want to find the life-giving sap that will produce fruit in your life, you're going to find it through me. So the question today is, what are you and I attaching ourselves to trying to find life? If you look at any tree right now, the branch that falls off the tree is not going to live very long. The tree will continue to live, but the branch that does not stay attached to that trunk or to that vine or to the source, it's not going to live because our life can only flow from the giver of life, which is Jesus the vine. So here's what he says, John 15, 1 through 8. He says, I am the true vine and my father is the keeper of the vineyard or the vine dresser. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes to make it even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the words I've spoken to you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. Just as no branch can bear fruit by itself unless it remains in the vine, neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him will bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are gathered up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask what you wish and it will be done for you. This is, to, glor uh, this is by, uh, to glorify my Father, that you bear much fruit, proving yourselves to be my disciples. So you get the point. But basically what he's saying is he gives this picture of a vineyard. And he says, um, if you're attached to me, life is going to flow. God is interested in all of us producing fruit, right? It is God's will that we are growing we're maturing, we're not stagnating, that we, are, uh, that we show evidence of the attachment to the vine. And, and here's an interesting thing. He says in here, 
If you don't bear fruit, he says, those branches are cut off. But those who do bear fruit are pruned. Pruning is when the vine dresser takes the knife to the branches and he cuts back those things that are competing with fruitfulness. When you go through a season of pruning, it doesn't feel good. I, I, I want to challenge your theology here. I, I've said this before, um, but it's, it's worth repeating. Um, I used to be like the type of dude that said when everything was going well and you know my, my bank account was full and I was healthy and things were falling into place and the sun was shining, somebody asked me like, how's everything been go going? And I would say, man, God, God has been good. God is really good because I felt like I felt comfortable. I felt happy. So therefore, God was good. Um, but you know what? God is good when we're in the middle of like bursting forth with fruit. But he's also good when he prunes us and he brings the knife of sometimes conviction um, or pain to our life um, to expose those things that are zapping his best in our lives. He's good regardless. And one of the signs that the Lord is working in your life is that he is pruning you. A lot of times it doesn't feel like uh, God is with me when he's pruning, but it's actually a sign that you are producing something and that God is making more investment in your life to cause you to be more fruitful. And so Jesus is teaching this. He's saying, if you wanna be like me, then you need to abide in, in me. He's saying, if you want to be one who reflects or emulates or mirrors Jesus, just like when you hang out with certain people, you start acting like them, Jesus is like, not only am I gonna transform the way you think by feeding you my word, but my presence by the Spirit of God living inside of you, you're going to be changed from the inside out. So think about it. If you wanna change, and, and you need to expose yourself to a new way of thinking um, and new ideas and a new way of living, then you're gonna get around people that are successful in the area you wanna grow, right? Think about Jesus. Jesus has all truth. He has perfect peace. He is the absolute author of life and life more abundant. So when I'm connected to all truth, all love, all joy, all peace, think about that. Inside of me, I have the person of Christ by the Spirit who is literally feeding my life something I could not get on my own. And so here's what it looks like. Um, fruit. What is this fruit that he's talking about? What is it? Uh, is, is it uh, successful ministry? Is it, uh, you know, moving up in life? What, what does it mean? Well, fruit, first of all, is the produce that is developed in and through us. So the branch doesn't grunt really hard to try and squeeze out fruit. All the branch, all you and I have to do is just make a conscious decision to abide in Christ, to remain in Him. And the fruit happens as a byproduct, right? Fruit is an evidence of what's happening in our inner life and it shows up through the external, sometimes attitudes, sometimes words, and sometimes ways that we live. Jesus is warning the false prophets about false prophets in Matthew chapter 7. And he, uh, in verse 16, he says, You'll know false prophets. Um, you'll know them by their fruit. They come with slick words and they sound right. They look right. But you'll notice something about them that shows what's really in them. 
You'll know them by their fruits. And, and another uh, passage here is Luke 6.45. It says, The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. The evil person out of the evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. Think about this. You, he's basically saying you can kind of tell what's in a person's heart if you just pay really close attention to what comes out of their mouth. Because the fruit of my lips is my words. And the fruit of my lips is showing you what's really in my heart. So he's saying you need an inside work to take place so that you can develop the fruit of Christ's likeness. This, uh, this is the Spirit of God. And what is he doing? This fruit is the supply of Christ's likeness in those who abide. It's the evidence of increasing presence the evidence of increasing love, the evidence of increasing and maturing depth in Jesus Christ, operating internally and flowing externally so that we can benefit others. Here's another example of this. Uh, the, the disciples who became apostles, they walk with Jesus for over three years. And when Jesus dies, he ascends to heaven and he leaves the ministry in their hands. He fills them with the Holy Spirit on Pentecost. Well, they get arrested in, in Acts chapter 4, and they go before the same people that were behind the death of Jesus, that, you know, stirred up the crowds and stirred up Rome to crucify him. And, and, and so here's these guys, they're preaching, and they get arrested for it, and they're standing in front of the Sanhedrin, and they're making a case for Jesus and why they're preaching. They're kind of like giving their own defense in this council. And here's what the Sanhedrin said. It said, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Check this out. Their connection with Jesus Christ and their abiding caused the Sanhedrin to say, this doesn't make any sense. These, these guys have no formal, you know, theological education like we do. But the courage that's on them reminds us of Jesus. See, this is the goal, is that I spend my life growing deeper in Jesus so that when people, those who might hate the Lord, but when they see me, they sense something that points to Jesus Christ. This is the witness that you and I want. It's the witness that points people. You know, it, the Bible says, your love one for another will prove to the world that you're my disciples. Why? Because love is one of those fruits that the Spirit produces in us, right? And so here's what this fruit really is. Galatians 5.22, this is what gets produced in our lives when we abide. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against, against such there is no law. So if this is the fruit that is being inspected in our lives, let me ask you a question. How well are those things evident in you? Peace, joy, love, kindness, patience, gentleness, self-control. Are those things present in your life? And if they're present, are they just withered up little tiny pieces of fruit or, or do you feel like they're growing? I don't think any one of us is saying, you know, I heard that list, Dave, and I feel like I'm killing it. 
Like I need to move on to something else to conquer because these things are definitely in my life. I know we all fall short and this is the pruning process because if there's a little bit of it, God wants to continue to increase it, right? This is why he continues to work with us. So here's the thing I'm going to close with, this idea of like, if we want the life that he has promised us, we are called then to walk with him, to be with him, to abide in him, and then he produces these things. But you know what I've seen becomes a greater priority in this day and age than the fruit of the Spirit? I feel like the gifts of the Spirit get elevated higher than the fruit of the Spirit. Now understand this, the gifts are very important. As a young man, I used to follow the flash, not the fruit, right? I didn't look to the guys that had patient uh, demeanors and you know, could humbly be in, in an intense conversation and gently respond. That ne I never wanted, you know, it never got my attention. What got my attention was, you know, the guys that could, you know, bring the heat on stage preaching and, you know, uh, the gifts of prophecy and healing the sick. These are important, very important. In fact, the Bible says you need to pray for the gifts. You need to ask God to release and activate the gifts of the Spirit in your life. But the gifts were never meant to operate outside of the fruit, right? The gifts were never meant to be on their own. There's a passage that says the gifts of God come without repentance. Now this gets twisted a little bit, but trust me, I've seen around the year, throughout my years in ministry, I've seen guys that um, are not really living the life for Christ, but operate in powerful gifts. But I've never seen anyone who has real peace, joy, you know, kindness, gentleness, self-control. I've never seen someone really be able to fake that for very long because eventually someone sees the real you, usually the, folk, the people that are closest to you. And so check this out, Matthew 7, 21 and 22, kind of back this idea. It says, not everyone who says to me, this is Jesus speaking, in that day, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Now check this out. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we uh, and, and, do, and drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Now what was going on here? They, they operated in giftings without abiding. They, 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 they did the works of Christ, but they didn't have a real heart of worship. He's saying just because my word worked and you laid hands on the sick or you prophesied didn't mean you knew me. And what's most important is not your doing, it's your being. And the very fruit that he produces in us, it's not necessarily going out and doing more Christian ministry. It is the Christ-likeness in which we do it. And so if your motive has been, I gotta try harder, I gotta work harder, I need to spend more time uh, you know, doing all these performances so that somehow I can grow deeper in Christ, Jesus is like, look, I'm gonna take care of all that. Your goal in life is to walk with me, to think on me, to be with me, to prioritize relationship, to relax and let the love of the Father put his arms around you as a child and embrace you. Even when you're in, in a bad spot and you've been living in sin and you feel like you wanna run from God, that abiding call is to say, no, don't ever leave, remain. 
Don't walk away and think that I won't love you because you've had a bad week or a bad month or a bad 10 years. Listen, repentance is just one step. God, I acknowledge, I confess, and I turn to you. And you'll find that he's not a million miles away. He's right there. But the enemy wants to make us feel like because we don't have fruit, we shouldn't remain. Watch this. Because I don't produce the fruit, then I, sh- I don't have the right to go to Jesus and attach myself to him. That's, that's just crazy because the only way I can produce the fruit is to be attached to him. So don't fall for the lie the enemy whispers into our ears. And let me close with this. Um, the abiding life, what does it look like? Uh, this, I love this passage, Colossians 3.17. And whatever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So abiding in Jesus is, you know, let me tell you what it's not. It's not this. Uh, you know what? I, I added Jesus to my life so that my life could be more full. You know that the gospel never teaches a theology of adding Jesus to our life. You know, the gospel teaches that here's what Jesus wants to do with your life. He wants to kill your life and he wants to bury your life and he wants to resurrect you and give you a new life. He wants to give you a new heart. So I don't sprinkle Jesus on my life to make my life more fulfilling and meaningful. The goal, now I still do it, uh, you know, I'm a pastor and I still wake up selfish every morning, but hopefully, Tomorrow I wake up a little more selfish than I did today. The goal of abiding is saying, let every thought, let every feeling, let every decision that I have be filtered through, God, what is your heart? What is your will? What is your desire? That I don't live for my own agenda. I don't live for my own glory. I don't live for my own way. But that I wake up every day saying, Lord Jesus, you have given me everything in the fact that you've given me salvation. And I exist to make you known in whatever way that is. And when your pruning comes, I, I, I glory in your pruning because I know even in that, you're here to produce something good in me. And so the, the abiding life is literally about not just reading the word, but walking it out. I promise you this, your life will change. If every day, just start with this, every day prioritize some time in his word, some time talking to him. And then throughout your day, get used to just thinking every decision through by, Lord, what would you have me to do here? God, what do you want me to do? How would you want me to respond? This is it, abiding all day long and including him in the patterns and the rhythms of our journey minute by minute. And the more we do that, we start to see fruit showing up in our lives that we could not produce ourselves. This is God's motive. He wants to produce the the life you are actually seeking. Think about it. What do I really want? I want peace. Man, I want joy in my heart. What do I I want? I want solid relationships. I want to live a life that is free of regret, shame, and emptiness. And Jesus is like, you don't have to work hard. Just abide in me and I will give you this. This is my promise. And so I want to close in prayer. if you're here and maybe you've been, you've been running the rat race and you've been spinning your wheels and you're trying to work to produce fruit and Jesus is just relax, man, just come to me, just spend time with me. We just wanna to repent to that and we wanna say, Lord, I have 
neglected the very thing, the very place that my life will flow from. And so I want to pray about that in a minute. And then you might be here and maybe you're watching this and somebody sent this or you just happened to come across this passage. Here, here's the, the sober reality is the only ones that have real life are the ones that are attached to Jesus. Not that you believe he existed. Um, not that you believe he was a good guy, but that you acknowledge that he actually did die on the cross for your sins and that we are hopelessly lost with a terminal, an eternal terminal illness called sin. There's only one cure. There's no patch. There's no band-aid that fix it. When we pass from this life, we will either be separated from God forever and ever, or we will be with God forever and ever. And here's the cool thing. It's by grace you're saved through faith in Jesus Christ. And so I wanna pray for each category of people that I just talked about. Why don't you pray with me? Father, right now, I just pray you'd move upon hearts. And God, for those of us who know you, who love you, but God, we have neglected the vine. It's a choice. Unlike branches, we have a will and we get to choose. And I pray that you would put a radical, passionate desire in our hearts to seek you, to love you, to spend time in your word. God, to be in fellowship with other believers. Lord God, to let you penetrate and infiltrate every area of our lives, our priorities, our agendas. And that God, we would be willing to lay down those things that you say, hey, can I have that? Because it's holding back fruit. And I pray that you would just transform us perpetually in an increasing manner, God through our loving depth with you. And for those who don't know you right now, um, I just pray that you would touch their hearts. And God, I pray in Jesus' name that they would realize that you are the way, the truth, and the life, and that you forgive those who call upon you and turn to you. We thank you for it in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thank you so much for spending time with us today. Again, pass this on to somebody who might need a word of encouragement. If you want to get connected or find out more about what's going on in our world, in our church, you can go to redeem.church. That's redeem.church. Give us your contact information. Don't forget, we still got our John journals. If you want to get one, those are free. Um, hit us up on our website and we'll get you one. Love you. God bless. Have a great week.